recorded before a live audience in our basement studio, January 31st, 2016, from Athens, Georgia, this is Dude Where's My Poetry. I was just a little child, a quarter mile from the estuary Pushed my bike through the puff mud, I fell home from the sanctuary In the view of the harbor, I'd almost forgotten I'll head home specifically at 6.05 Cause that's how late you can be Pushing the limit, you arrive at 6.07 Park your bike in the garage And open the door Lying some tale about wind in your eye They're all well aware that you're high mm-hmm. I was just a little child A quarter mile from the estuary I rode my bike down to the fort That fired on the fort that started the war Specifically five years ago With the girl you knew you'd know forever But you were too afraid then To confront it all And park your car by the beach And sleep on the floor Lying some tale about sand in your eye We're all well aware that you cried That was Evan Tyre with Sand in Your Eye. We have one more song by Evan coming up later in the show, as well as a brief collection of songs by J.J. Posway. First, though, we would like to introduce our three spoken word guests that we showcased this month, Gene Davis, Alex Johns, and Hannah Lawless. First up is Gene Davis with a short story that is a part of a larger work. It is called Home Depot. I'm probably the best dressed person in this Home Depot. Though that's not saying much because truly this town is full of riffraff. Prostitutes, Pilates instructors, crackheads, smokers, joggers, drunks, monks, socialists vegetarians, dog lovers, rabbis, teenagers, pornographers, young parents, and every other form of degenerate seems to have decided to show up to the Shaker Heights Shopping Center Home Depot this morning. God knows I have no idea what to do with a drill, but it's the only place that still sells my industrial strength acne medication. (laughs) It's made from the same chemical used in embalming fluid. And not cheap. I flip the bottle over so that my fellow shoppers can see the price tag. $19.95 for three fluid ounces. That's $6.65 per fluid ounce. I hope the other shoppers are taking note. I hope they are appropriately impressed. When I'm at the store, I remember the pansies I've been wanting to plant. I already have bushes and ferns, but not many flowers. 
Once I have these pansies, I am certain that Better Homes and Gardens will finally respond to my email queries. But it must be done before the summer is over. I wonder if pansy seeds will be in aisle 9, lawn supplies, or aisle 12, outdoor living. <laughs> I'm lingering in the potting soil aisle when who should I see but my former lover? <laughs> my former lover, taking pictures with three older women in Ed Hardy t-shirts. I watch from behind a shelf of terrariums as he shakes each of their hands before they walk away. He goes back to his shopping, squatting to analyze the varieties of potting soil. In each hand, he holds a pink two-pound weight, and when he curls his arms, my stomach rumbles. <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that has a picture of Popeye riding a motorcycle and says, Live to ride, ride to live. <laughs> What is presidential candidate Ted Cruz doing in the Shaker Heights Home Depot? <laughs> I hate myself. Um, I actually saw him on the Ellen DeGeneres show this week. Her special guest last week was a lizard that could bench press 80 pounds. This week's special guest was my ex-boyfriend. He wore brown corduroys and a navy sweater pulled over a white button down. I don't remember his shoes. It made me sick to hear him talk about his work for the irritable bowel syndrome community. I was the one who suggested he work irritable bowel syndrome into his campaign platform in the first place. I didn't see the second half of the show because I spent the next 30 minutes on the toilet. I first started seeing presidential candidate Ted Cruz years ago when he was still director at the Office of Policy Planning, and I was on tour with my successful slowcore folk band. I met him after a show not too far from here, actually. We were just outside of Cleveland in what is now the Monster Energy Drink Amphitheater, but back then was called the Crystal Pepsi Amphitheater. I noticed him right away because of my active involvement in local government and natural interest in policy planning. He came up to me after the show and we got to chatting. He told me he liked my guitar playing. I told him I liked his policy planning. Needless to say, we went back to the Hampton Inn together that night. <laughs> the next morning, I woke up with a dull ache in my throat that didn't go away until January, a few months after our breakup, when I finally scheduled an appointment at the Quick Care. On that day, I arrived early, and a nurse led me to room four, where I stripped down to my underwear and waited for the doctor. When she came in, she told me there was no reason for me to be undressed. <laughs> I put my clothes back on while she waited. When I was done, she kneaded my throat, asked for an awe, then looked in my ears with a medical pen light. I tried to stay still, but let out an involuntary shudder when her finger grazed my earlobe. She straightened up. Wax had been accumulating in my left ear for some time now, she told me, and it had clogged my ear canal. Part of it was pressing up against my eardrum, and that was the source of my throat pain. The only way to relieve the pain was to dislocate the wax, which we would do by irrigating my ear. She mixed hydrogen peroxide with warm water, then used a syringe to squirt the solution into my ear and let it dribble out. My job was to hold the plastic bucket under my chin so that the water wouldn't get all over the floor. <laughs> she did this over and over again. 
It was a strangely intimate experience. <laughs> I wondered if she was falling in love with me. <laughs> I was starting to feel very dizzy and had trouble sitting up straight. I asked if we could take a break. She said we were almost done, and after a few more squirts, we were. <laughs> there was a tickly feeling, and then I felt the wax become dislodged. I bet that feels a lot better now, she said. <laughs> I felt more than all right. I felt like coming up from underwater. Every sound was sharp. She took the plastic bucket from my hands and asked, would I like to see it? She meant the lump of wax floating in the bucket. It was the size of a marble, but not as round. And there were some smaller clumps floating next to it. I told myself, this is the first day of the rest of your life. <laughs> the last time I saw Ted, we had just wrapped up several hours of vigorous and satisfying lovemaking. <laughs> Afterwards, he had gone into the bathroom to scrub his feet. It was his post-coitus ritual. <laughs> And when he came out, he said that we were over. I watched him walk through my yard, get in his Volvo sports wagon, and drive off. It's been almost nine months since that day, and other than sound bites on the news about Comic Core policy, I haven't heard a word from him. He's still picking out his potting soil, kneeling to reach the bottom shelf. He is so much smaller than I remembered. <laughs> Even as he sees me and straightens up, I tower over him. I want to ask, why didn't you call? Why did you leave? Why did you tell our friends about my irritable bowels? <laughs> Instead, I say, you still have my rain jacket. He shifts his pink dumbbells into his left hand, then holds out his right for a handshake, like I'm just another constituent on the campaign trail. <laughs> Do I have your vote? He wants to know. Sorry, I tell him. I'm a registered Democrat, and Ohio has closed primaries. <laughs> I decide to skip the seeds and buy already grown pansies instead. I spend $334 on pansies. I load them into the back of my Subaru, and when I get home, I plant them along the edge of the yard where they form a semicircle. It takes most of the day. I am planting something new on top of you, even though the sweat will clog my pores and cause breakouts. That's what acne medication is for. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jean Davis. Jean is currently a second year journalism student at UGA. If you'd like to get in touch with her, she can be found on Twitter at Jean T. Davis. That's Jean J E A N N E. T. Davis. Next up, Three Poems by Alex Johns. This is called Public Restroom. <laughs> Just once I want to walk into one and find a man napping there, Another feet up in a recliner chair with a cup of tea reading Moby Dick. 
not giving all he's got not to look the other in the eye, to admit he's real somehow, that plank between their penises as if to deny another penis exists, (laughs) this close to you and yours in this shiny cold cabin with stalls to hide entirely the lower forms of life who have to shit in public. Those horses do it proudly on the warm slope of a field, the sun submitting his colors to the sky in brilliant combinations even marketers can't apply to package, so we'll never have to buy. Behind ancient, elegant silhouettes, steeds dropping their clumps into that slow, happy hilltop, raising their historic heads through swirling halos of katydids, 10,000 sunsets theirs to observe. How long have I been at this urinal? Y'all ever, you've been to a Whole Foods, right? Well, that's what inspired this. This is uh, five yogurt-covered raisins (laughs) are somewhere in this entire pound of Nature's Way trail mix. Get off the road and back on the trail. Be a better person. Journey away from your day-to-day peanut-to-peanut to to fraction of a cashew to sliver of a coconut to, hey, look at here, we got us a yogurt-covered raisin. (laughs) Precious, sweet little egg in the less-than-delicious nest. Bless you, brother, fellow earth dweller, for not overstressing the udders of a cow or extracting more than our species' share of sugar or oil of the palm, the harvesting of which destroys animal habitats, to put more than a third of a handful of these treasures in here. Must love Mother Earth, flower child, with some capital who knows where it's at, man, Your conscientious company cares for the individual animal or plant, leads us beyond the orchard, back into the woods, while you, the prime primate, gaze from the mountaintop at the vista of the bottom line. This one's a little different. This is uh, to celebrate the first interbreeding between disparate ancient hominid species so that we could eventually be, you know. Um, this is called, this is ambitiously titled The Poet. <clears throat> Before words were as such and gestures developed together with grunts in the ritual toolkit to communicate among members of the band of Neanderthals. One manward ape awoke in the cave where he'd studied the sound of his own voice, a single repeated note bouncing off the wall, the god made of himself calling back in there in the earth's womb where he'd eventually paint the hunt, his hope's highest moment. He had dreamed of a field of butterflies burying themselves in the dirt, 
Then the shape of her face, that strange and wonderful shape, that day he wandered off to a meadow, collected all the flowers his hairy, opposable thumb hands could carry, and wove them around a pyramid of branches, a fire of color and fragrance, a cover of comfort and safety, the opposite of decay, he carried her away from the shared kill up the hill to the chapel with no name. You know. Yeah. heard three poems by Alex Johns. Alex is associate professor at the University of North Georgia, where he teaches creative writing in American literature. He was the recipient of the 2013 Pavement Saw Press Chapbook Prize for his work, Robot Cosmetics. He's also the coordinator and host of Athens Word of Mouth, a monthly reading series that brings together both nationally known and local writers. This happens the first Wednesday every month at the Globe. Next up, four short poems by Hannah Lawless. This one's called There Is a Tick, uh, and it's about having shitty friends. <laughs> this person is no longer in my life. <laughs> there is a tick trailing across that protruding bone of your ankle, and I think you would call him a friend but not answer his texts. My thumb pressures the inside of your wrist, and I want to leave it there. Because you will let him fall, and you will never pick him up, and I want a part of me to stay with you. In this, I found a sunflower. I thought maybe it belonged in the buttonhole of your favorite shirt. An adornment to be soiled by beer and bruises and cigarette smoke, or perhaps it could lie up against your spine and grow where my fingers could not. I placed plastic diamonds around your eyes to trace where they were once blackened, knitted you a sock but kept the string attached, the bud was at your feet or in your hand, and in this I found a sunflower broken at each end.
Um, so this one has a, some backstory. Uh, so a couple of summers ago, I worked as a camp counselor in the Pennsylvania mountains, um, which was a really great experience. Uh, but you spend most of the day with kids, so when you have your off hours, those are pretty exciting. Um, so on my nights off, I would meet up with a guy in the, um, the rocketry room, and uh, we would make out and stuff, <laughs> um, which like I think about a lot because, I don't know, we were like surrounded by all of these like rockets and like very phallic objects. Um, <laughs> And it kind of felt like high school, like you're like making out in your parents' house and you can't let anyone know. But then I also imagine it's like being a parent because you just like put your kids to sleep and are like sneaking <laughs> off. Um, so anyway, that's about this, or this is about that. <laughs> Found a knoll for some firecrackers. Reminded me of your wily brows and a room of bottle rockets. Concrete floor, smells of baking soda and vinegar. I wanted a forest, some Pennsylvania pines, but this is the memory that I get. <laughs> Thank you. So this is my last one. Um, and obviously I'm going to read it, but like, so it's a poem inside of a poem. Um, I know it's really small, but so the title of the poem is like composed of words that are actually in the poem, so that's why they start with the same word. Uh, so this is half bad, sometimes better. Half the times I've seen you, I've cried. Your favorite tree is a ginkgo, and you can tell me about all of its smells. My lips are dry. I tell you it's not bad, but when we stop kissing, I check for blood. We went hiking to Ravencliff Falls. The whole way up, I dug my nails into my skin. I'm wearing an unwashed coat, wonder about the black specks on my fingers when I pull them from my pockets. I watch you drink from someone else's coffee, wonder if the backwash will skip from you to me. You left a moth in my freezer, but haven't called. I bet it's because I've cried too many times. There are calluses on your hands. I can't imagine elsewhere or gone. You give me a lighter from Golden Pantry, and somehow this makes things better. Thank you. <laughs> That was Hannah Lawless. Hannah is a senior at UGA, studying English and studio art. After graduation, she says she hopes to pack it up and head to Texas. Right on, Hannah. This concludes the first half of Dude, Where's My Poetry? Next up, we've got some interviews, as well as some more music from Evan Tyler and J.J. Posway. Stay tuned.
Oh. oh. Hey, hey. Hey. <clears throat> Welcome back to the second half of Dude, Where's My Poetry? Coming up, we have a small collection of songs by J.J. Posway, followed by a brief discussion with each performer about the creative process, and finally we're going to close it out with one more song by Evan Tyre. Here are five songs by J.J. Posway. They're part of a larger collection, uh, about which he says... Uh, he wrote in roughly the span of an hour, chronicling memorable moments from the last year of his most impactful relationship to date. There was a rattle back behind our heads in the budget truck. We stopped in the parking lot of the Eagle Watch pool. You climbed back there to move the culprit metal bed frame, and I snapped a pic of you atop mountain of our stuff and we drove to New York paid more than we expected in tolls we just moved in Six three Bayard Street. We had our tickets for months to see Machine Drum on New Year's Eve. When we got there, the line was unreasonably long. So we went elsewhere to count down to 2015. It was perhaps the coldest day of the year. Spent half an hour in the bar next to St. Anselm To dry off and prepare The most amazing steak we'd had in all our years It was for that day For that day When we walked home it was somehow colder than before you held on to my arm and we shuffled under the BQE back home brought you coffee in bed and gently pet your head you were working on an application to a job.
job you should have had. You work so hard, and you know the world doesn't owe you anything. Doesn't owe you anything. You're better than me. Five songs by J.J. Posway. In order, they were Budget Truck, Countdown to 2015, The Coldest Day, The World Doesn't Owe, and August 21. Next up, we're going to tune in to a conversation that Will and I had with Evan and J.J. about their creative process. Both Evan and JJ play in the same band, Scooter Babe, uh, but they also work on various solo projects. For instance, JJ says his collection of the recordings that you just heard should be out sometime in the near future, possibly under the title August 21. Evan likewise says that he should have some recordings coming out in 2016, possibly under the name of Baron Papa. The two, of course, are very talented and have spread their talents far and wide, which is kind of what I was curious about. Exactly. Without us. Yeah, without, us, without us, it wouldn't have been done. We couldn't have done it without us. Um, so I've got, I've got a question for you guys. Um, I mean, you, you talked about LCD sound system. We spoke about, you know, electronic, making electronic music. Um, what, like, I'm 
always kind of baffled by uh, like the difference between like a, the acoustic music and electric and electronic and like this whole spectrum. Like, how do you guys? How do you guys? Um, how do you walk that that line? Do you do you write in in one um, medium and then then uh, record or perform in another or vice versa? Where do you get? I, I think for both of us, we we participate in, in a variety of projects, and that's where the outlet is. And so, like, we both play in bands where we we play electric guitars, and then sometimes we play acoustic guitars and write some songs in that in that sense. And that's what you saw tonight. And and you know, I play bass in some bands. I play bass in like a and kind of an R and B band, you know. And like, I think that is how because like sometimes you want to write a song that sounds great on an acoustic guitar and you know that it won't work with a band it just won't and you have that song and you want to want to have something for it but JJ for instance has like kind of four different projects yeah um, I was telling you a little bit earlier I've been producing like future beats kind of stuff under the name Orca Mug I named after my favorite mug it's the best mug in the world I love it um I've got an EP of that coming out, but I, I make some... Ex- that's, like, purely electronic. I make experimental music under the name Apertag. And even with that, I use, like, some demos I recorded, even of Scooter Babe songs, stuff and that. Like, it all... I listen to all that stuff, and I, like... It's separate, though, you know? Sometimes you write a song, and I know you were kind of alluding to this. It's like, you write a song, it's like, oh, well, this is, like... This is an acoustic song. Like, this belongs in, like, whatever, you know? my solo thing this belongs in scooter babe this is you know i've got this beat in my head that should be uh orca mug or whatever next up i talked to alex johns about the difference between poetry that is performed and poetry that is read or the difference between the page and the stage yeah, that's a struggle. <laughs> um, I first understood poetry as a written thing and not as a performed thing. And so when I first started performing poems, they were poems that had been more that more intimate page rendered experience. Um, and it wasn't until performing poems that I started feeling the obligation to an audience, you know what I mean, that began to inform the writing process. So I considered, like, how would this come across, you know? And I started trying to find some balance between the two, like, uh, um, can something occur on different levels? Like, could... Could something perform at a certain level and have some moments and some, you know, have a rhythm and uh, cadence and those things and have moments live, but also have a deeper subtextual possibility, you know? Um, So I tend to struggle with that. Like, a lot of stuff I've written recently is, like, way more page-oriented than stage-oriented. Um, I, I don't know I feel like I don't know how much of an obligation poets have to the audience I mean obviously on some level you have an obligation to an audience even if it's people reading it 
but uh, but I I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Next up, we talk to Jean Davis a little bit about her process writing prose. Uh, in it, she discusses her story, Home Depot. Um, <laughs> just write, you know, write some of those down. I guess with the, um, my first story, the Ted Cruz one, um, I had the idea over the summer to write a story about uh, a celebrity where it didn't necessarily have to be the exact celebrity. Like, in the piece, you know, there is a character named Ted Cruz who's a presidential candidate, but it's not really Ted Cruz, you know? Um, and, like, sometimes I hear on NPR, they'll say Ted Cruz, and I'll be like, what? My character, you know? Like, I think I own him, kind of. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, it evolved a lot. Like, at first, it was just, like, it was kind of a mean story, really, at first. It was, like, pretty mean. Um, but and it, and it was more about being funny at first, and then it sort of evolved into something else, um, where I feel like pretty close to the narrator now. Next up, Will Stanier and Hannah Lawless discuss her poem, In This I Found a Sunflower. Thanks for reading, Hannah. That was great. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, I, uh, the flower in the buttonhole mm-hmm. poem, yeah. um, I, that's the one I heard at um, Spoken Words. Yeah, yeah, it liked was. a lot. Yeah, um, yeah I, we can start with that poem. If okay. you could just, like, um, i like to maybe, uh, the first question, see how people think about the their poems, because... When you're performing a poem, reading it to people, mm-hmm. um, they're getting one performance of it, um, yeah. but that might not match up to what um, the poet feels about their own poem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what do you just... Because I have my um, thoughts and feelings about that poem, which is <laughs> one of the coolest things about poetry is that once it's out there, you know, people form their own opinions yeah, and definitely. beliefs about it. Um, Shape it to, like, their own experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, what do you feel about that poem? What do you think about that poem? And um, is it in your repertoire of poems, is it the oldest? Okay, um, no. Yeah, it it isn't. So, (laughs) but you've performed that poem multiple times? Yeah, so that's Uh, one of the oldest ones that I at least perform. So, like, (laughs) how it feels to perform that poem, Mm. yeah, repetitively uh, with, like varying audiences because this audience is different than yeah you know an audience that you might have gotten before um so actually performing it is an interesting experience because for me personally because i started performing that like with, what's the title of the poem uh and this i found a sunflower okay. so the first line is the title yeah, yeah. yeah um so i wrote that for a creative writing class and the first draft of it was much different um and was not good <laughs> it got torn apart um <laughs> So after having, like, all these criticisms and, like, being kind of embarrassed and, like, thrown off by it, uh, went back and completely reworked it. Um, So I think, like, for that reason, I'm, like, kind of proud of it. And, like, I don't know, I feel like I put a lot more effort into that than I maybe have other uh, pieces. Um, 
but then when I performed that for spoken word, I wanted to sort of memorize it, um, which I like don't really do anymore. Um, so that I've actually performed myself a lot, um, and particularly uh, like when I get really anxious. I say that poem to myself, so to me it like serves this like purpose in my life where like that's the thing that calms me down. Mantra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So it's like, you know, I tell myself like by the end, by the time I get to the end of this, I'm like going to feel better. Um, So it's like in some ways like less about like what I'm talking about in the poem and more serves as like a just a way to calm me down. So, but then when I get up on stage, it's like more about what it means and everything. I mean, that seems like it would uh, make performing it to an audience much, much more. I want to say complicated because complicated kind of has a negative uh, yeah. connotation to it, but uh, much more emotionally complex. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for tuning in to Dude, Where's My Poetry? Big thanks to everyone who made this night possible. Will Stanier, our fearless leader and gracious host. Bryn Bailey, the perennial and unseen patron, provider of the PA. Seth Miller, the man behind the keys. Check him out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com at SethM315. I'm your host podcast creator kelly patronus if you're in athens check us out i'm gonna let evan tyre close us out with a beautiful ballad called war paint none of my songs are funny i don't think you know there's a lot of laughing i don't think now now's not the time for it i guess but um
still be mad about you.